I want you to want me to talk about live albums next on Over Under Fair. I want you me. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and welcome to the stage, Lacey McGraw, hey. Jason Pinkham, hey guys. Roger Castillo on the ones and twos, What's up? I'm Dave Roldan and we are over under fair, the final word in pop culture relevance. So, thank you, thank you so much, thank you so much, we do it for you, we you do know, it for the fans. It was a good choice to have a studio audience today. I know, I really feel like in the spirit of this show, it was best. it was the best decision. Yep, you guys are beautiful. Again, to reiterate, we do it. We do it for the fans. You guys would be nothing without our fans. Freebird! Did someone yeah. say Freebird? Thank you. Please have that man escorted from the premises. <laughs> All right, so yeah, here we are over under fair. Uh, we here today are going to talk about. It's a little bit of a different spin. We're going to talk about live albums, but in the spirit of the show, we're going to talk about underrated live albums. There's a whole swath of live albums to talk about. Uh, we were inspired uh, when we were talking about Nirvana a little while ago, and uh, Unplugged in New York is a giant amongst recorded live you know, uh, albums. And in, in some talking, we spit, spitball the idea around, and is there is there a section of uh of albums we don't talk about enough or maybe maybe at the very basis just some stuff that we like that is live that we want to put some light on to have some people you know maybe they share some interest in that so you know we're we're not going to talk too much we, we came in with it but we're not going to talk about your cheap trick at budokan and frampton comes alive kiss alive like these are all great they're all titans of what a live album is as a concept and a very 70s thing as a concept which is why all those are so famous but you know, maybe shed some light on some stuff that people haven't listened to before or aren't really as as up on some bands and some stuff. So uh, we could probably just jump right into it, you know, uh, if we want to start. Does anyone have anything they want to jump off with first? Anything they want to chime in on? No. No? Let's, let's no, because I'm out. mostly embarrassed of mine. You don't have to be embarrassed, baby. We're all snowflakes. <laughs> oh. And everybody has their own individual uh, preferences and opinions. So... Jason, why don't you start then? If you're so embarrassed, I, w- I want to know why. <laughs> well, my number one was uh, an album that I... Do you I, have any honorable mentions before you jump right in? Oh, yeah, we do one? honorable mentions first. Okay. We'll do some honorable mentions My first. honorable mentions are two albums that uh, didn't they didn't sell anything. No one cared. Uh, it was uh, a Raw, their live album called Raw, which it showcased a different side of the band for me. They're, they were just a... Can you can you tell the people who Raw is? Yeah, I was going there. In they're, case they're, they don't They're know. like a like an odd... like. Egyptian influenced rock band that existed from like o two to o nine or something like that, and they had a couple songs that I really liked. That first album is really great in my opinion, and Their then most popular song is "Do You Call My Name." Yes, Do yes, yeah. It, it was like, "Who are you?" Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent, exactly that. Uh, it was. It was not. 
they were not a good band. I'm honest about it. But I loved them, and they were something that I loved. Uh, and they had an album come out called Raw, which was their live album, which to fans of the band, they had two albums out at that point, and both albums were clean. Both albums were, like, on purpose, explicitly clean. There was no swearing of any kind. And he comes out, and he's just, fuck shit, fuck this shit. Like, he's just losing his mind. He does a ludicrous rap in the middle at one point out of nowhere <laughs> like that sounds very egyptian metal it, yeah it's very strange it, it just it's just fun and then uh my other honorable mention is rammstein live aus berlin oh, that's a good one <laughs> yeah it's it was it's it's an album that I, I i think i literally melted the cd when i bought it i played it so much i think it's it's in being fair to the list i think it's good that you put it as honorable mention because i don't think it's underrated at all i think it's great and i'm pretty sure everybody knows it's great wow i didn't know that I oh no live aus berlin is like a touchstone Any, of that band's career yeah anybody who is any way familiar with Ramstein knows that they are powerful in their live shows and that comes so, through like yeah. that's a, it is a that's a big problem with live albums we'll get back if i want to touch on it before we get too far a big problem with live albums is a production thing like there are a lot of them that have a less than savory production value because some of them are just released as stopgap measures like oh we're working on new albums but in between here's a bunch of shit we recorded at this show in wisconsin you know so you get some of that you get fulfilling a record contract that is a huge move that lots of bands have done so it's important that we take a a couple of minutes just to try to highlight some stuff that is good like the merit is good because it was the work is put in you know what i mean and and Something like Live Aus Berlin is an excellent example of that. Like, this is what a live album can be. It's not the same as being as a, at a Rammstein show, which is full on bonkers. But musically, I mean, it's it, the sound is incredible, okay, and that that cool. comes through. I feel less shy now. No, don't, dude. Rammstein's <laughs> great. Yeah, no, that's, I don't think you're gonna get any flack from I, that. I, I, I'm not kidding. I'm pretty sure I literally stopped being able to play some of the songs on that album when I had it because I just left it in my CD player in my car. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it just, I couldn't get enough of it. Um. You want me to just do one or both of mine? No, go ahead. Rip them out. Okay. Uh, my number one was Slipknot 9.0 Live. Uh, it came at a time when they were at my favorite time in their career, which is 2005. Uh, they had just released Volume 3, The Subliminal Verses, and they released 9.0 because apparently they're into numbering their albums now. And uh, it has all – it has everything you want, but it also has more because it has you know songs like Purity, which is for the, the – purists of Slipknot, well, which I'm not a fan of Purity, but it's those, that's the sect of fans that love yeah. that side, like Purity, Eeyore, all that stuff. But it also has songs like that they don't play anymore. Songs like Liberate, songs like uh, Iowa, that, that just they don't skin ticket, they, they don't get play in their regular rotation anymore. And Corey Taylor's voice was at its peak. And the, the, what they did with that album, too, if you listen to it, Every like fourth or fifth song, he says a city name, and it's always a different city name, mm-hmm. which I can respect because what they're doing, and I, I found a little bit about it where it said, basically, they wanted to put together the best versions of every song, which to me is shows respect to your fan base. Like, no, I agree with that. We want you to hear what we're like when we're at our best. Yeah, because they could miss. Just like I said, they could have phoned it in and just put out an album of garbage. Yeah, you so. could have just taken any uh, Ozfest recording right, yeah. and called it a day. Yeah, you know, and they chose not to. And then number two is uh, Steely Dan's 1995 Alive in America which uh, got shit on when it came out, but I love it a hundred times over. It uh, it took a song, Reeling in the Years, which I actually hate uh, a lot, and they completely redid it as more of a traditional jazz song with a lot less of that boring guitar that I, for some reason, in Steely Dan, oh, I find boring. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get where you're coming from, and you are a 
professed as I know you, Steely Dan fan. Yeah. Like you are your deep cuts. I got all the albums. Mm. I'm going to name my kid Deacon Blues. <laughs> but I I am not, and I'm not I was shitting name my kid on... bad sneakers, but... I, <laughs> I'm going to name my kid Kid Charlemagne because it's actually kind of a well, sweet-ass name. I'm going to name him uh, Green Eyes. Oh, I thought you were going to name him Peg. <laughs> <laughs> this is my son, Peg Castillo. But uh, it's... I listened you at your request. I listened to that ver- that version of Reeling in the Years, and that is missing for me. And again, not a huge Steely Dan fan. I'm not, and but I have I respect them, and they have enough stuff that I kind of like. But what's missing for me in because I listened to a couple of the other tracks, and what's listen what's missing for me is that 70sness of the original recordings because mm-hmm. I like that. Like that, as a personal thing, I've told you before. Can't Buy a Thrill, I think, is fantastic because it sounds like a product of its time, mm-hmm. and everything after it is them defining their sound and becoming a real band. I don't have time for that. I respect them, and I think that's great that they were able to go and do that for themselves, but I love the dripping 70s-ness of that guitar and reeling in the ears, and you know, Midnight Cruiser. Every song on that album is like spectacularly 70s produced over craziness, and I love it, but it's missing in the live recordings of that, and that's why I can't be like way way into that but i will give credit to the arrangement it does sound great like just you know it wasn't what i wanted from that but hey man like they still sounded pretty good and this is 1995 94 93 94 there was the tour yeah to be that deep in your career and still manage to sound so crisp you know what i mean that yeah. was, that's no small feat i mean well, they sounded really good i saw them last year and they did a completely different version of uh Oh, I'm scared. Uh, the song's escaping me now. I can't it was Dirty it was. Work, right? They did. No, that was one of the two. Was, they did. They redid two of their songs. Yeah. It was Dirty Work and Bodhisattva. That worked. The, the, the Dirty Work cover yeah. that I heard. Well, because they couldn't get, uh, what's his name? David yeah. Palmer. Right. So I think he might even be dead. Dirty Work, honest. my favorite Steely Dan song, yeah. I have to say. And they, you know, they had the girls sing it. And yeah. It's really good. No, it was very and good. It worked very well for that. Maybe that's what reminded me. It, maybe that's what it might it, yeah, be. Yeah. It has a spiritual you know? link so there. I can yeah. see that. So it pulls me to it. For sure. All right, man. You got anything else to say about Steely Dan? I kind of jumped on you there. Uh, no, I mean, it's a band that uh, you can dive down the YouTube rabbit hole when you look for their live performances because they tend to get, they're, they're known for getting bored with their arrangements. I mean, it's it's to to their detriment in most people's eyes. You know, to, to, for me, though, that is fun because when you're a band that is no longer producing new content, to produce new content of your old content is great. It's similar, like... It's the the snootiest, most condescending version of what Kesha did last year. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Kesha did it; she did it better, but it's the same concept. Like she, they did it within their own genre. She right. she bent it, but oh, sorry, Kesha sucks. Go ahead, oh, dude. I hate her. <laughs> Brutal. Sorry. <laughs> How can you hate Kesha? She, she stands for everything that is good and right in the world. Uh, I hate her music. So much. I'm sorry. It's just boring. Mm. <laughs> Carry on. I'll go back to talking about the exciting world of well, Steely Dan. You- <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, okay, so yeah, it's, they're a YouTube rabbit hole, and they perpetually redo in different versions, different jazz arrangements, their own songs. Yeah. which to me is fun. No, I agree. Yeah. So that that was it. Lacey, I want to keep you. I want to keep you invested. So let's talk okay. about Kesha. because because Kesha doesn't have a live album for you to love. What are what are some of the things you want to talk about? I got two honorable mentions. Um, the first one is I decided not to include this in my like two like that I think are like super underrated. Just because I think that this is first of all, I think it's a band that is 
appealing to a very niche audience. And I think the live album is also very appealing to a very niche audience. And that That's is the purpose of the show. Rasputina, a radical recital. Um, Rasputina is a band that uses cellos and plays rock music that is typically very period piece themed. I love Rasputina. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> kind of like uh, two cellos exists. It's it's amazing. No, honestly, not, they're kind of great. It's not like two cellos. Like they have guitar, they have drums, yeah. It's it's a, a full singer, setup. Like it's but, a full oh, is setup, it? But they are but, like, they are augmenting the sound with cellos. <laughs> oh, it's okay. fronted by a woman who plays a cello. Okay, okay. and uh, I believe they have two cellos usually. Uh, but it's not just like they're covering shit on cellos. So it's like playing. yellow card. S- stop. No. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs> that, for example, they have a song called, what? what is it? 19, 1816, The Year Without a Summer. Oh. Which is how I always know that Mary Shelley had to stay inside. So she wrote Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, thanks, Rasputina. That Frankenstein was written. Yeah. So um, th- it's a lot of like historical stuff. and It is a very niche sound. But yeah. one that like it works really well like for what they're trying to attempt. Yeah. But th- I mean, I really like their live album. I think a lot of the versions of the songs that are on it sound really great and different live. And... Honestly, like when I listened to this band before I heard their live stuff, I would have never pegged uh, Melora Krieger, who is the singer and the front woman of the band. I would have never pegged her for being like a super powerful singer. Like I kind of just thought like this band is, you know, it's I kind of figured she was a singer that needed a studio to sound good. Mm -hmm. Um, She is a good cello player as far as I know. And not that I have a large knowledge of cello music. Really? It's weird. I've been to your house. I've seen all your cellos. I I just figured you were accomplished. Yeah. No, I just collect them. Um, (laughs) Well, you have a very nice collection of cellos. Thank you. Um, I feel sorry for your walls. It's going to be heavy to hang all those. But uh, (laughs) no, she's not. Roger's cello also, bearing walls. Roger is also <laughs> here. Um, but she yeah, That one got him. She she has a lot of like kind of quippy introductions to the songs and she actually sounds really good in this like as a singer. So that was something that impressed me and I think it just translates really well to live music. Um, oh but, yeah, stringed instruments always yeah. do like mm-hmm. like that. But also with like the guitar, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the whole setup of it, I wasn't sure how it would sound. But like it's really, I think it's a really enjoyable live album. So I put it in honorable mentions. But I don't think that this is something, I think it's underrated for a reason. And that is because this is a band that appu- appeals to a very, you know, like I said, niche. Mm. It's not like it's something where I could ever be like... Rasputina needs more recognition you know like no the people who who really like want to know things like this know it right you know what I mean and they'll spread it around to other people who want to hear things like this but other than that I don't think it's something that ever will appeal to the masses well knowing my deep love of cellos why have I never heard of them I don't know because I, I, yeah, honestly I don't you might know. like this like, like you probably you you should give it a listen. I will. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I will legitimately give fun, them a listen. Like, and the th- the thing that I really like about this band too is, like I said, they have a lot of like historical things. Like, I love that song "Eighteen Sixteen Year Without a Summer" because, like, she is rattling off facts. <laughs> like, some of it is like made up stories in other songs, mm. but um, there's a lot of good. Like, so, like I said, I will never forget when Frankenstein was written uh, because of that song. Mm. My second honorable mention is not actually a live album um it's a live performance it was really it was never actually i couldn't include it because it was never actually released in album 
form. It was a DVD, and it is Elton John live at Wembley, 1984. Small, small golf clap for that for sure. Absolutely. One of the, one of my favorite Elton John performances. <laughs> one of my favorite. That was more than a golf clap. Golf clap, clap is like, fucking yeah. rowdy. Yeah, the today. crowd, the crowd really showing up clap. for Elton John. <laughs> yeah. uh, as well, well we don't have the masters. Uh, you know. Guards to make sure nobody no cell phones. Right, yeah, that's true. I, uh, I, I judge all Elton John performances by the speed of sad songs they so much. <laughs> and, that's not a bad barometer, honestly. Um, and this is probably one of, one of the fastest ones I've ever heard. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I he has other like live albums that have been like listed, like released as albums, mm-hmm. and they are good. But like this one is by far my it, favorite. It is, so. and it's it's a shame that it doesn't have like a wide release like that. Like yeah, like you said, it was released in home video, and I believe I, it has yeah. a DVD now. But it is a it is an excellent example of what yeah. an Elton John show in the eighties would have mm-hmm. sounded like, and he still sounds pretty on top of stuff. And uh, yeah, you're 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 spot on. That's yeah. an excellent an you, excellent assembly. Of but songs. I, c- I couldn't include it just because. And and I also think it's pretty well known. You know. With, yeah. Among, yeah. Despite you know, despite that, it is. So it's pretty think, well recognized. You know, I've talked to people before who like who are like, oh, that's a great live performance. I think even like one of your buddies I was chatting with on Facebook and mm-hmm. on one of your shows was like, that, you're spot on. That's a great performance. So I don't think it's like something that's super underrated. But I think. If in terms of live performances, if you're looking for a really great Elton John performance, like you can find clips of that on YouTube and definitely check out Sad Song Say So Much because it's it's real fast. Like there was some cocaine backstage that night. <laughs> I'm just saying. Backstage, on stage. On stage, on the, the stage piano. is made of <laughs> stage is made of a giant brick of cocaine. Uh, see what we missed with the eighties guys? We were just too young. I know. So what are your two? Yeah, what are what are your um, what are your actual? <laughs> she looked at me as if I had knives coming out of my face. <laughs> well, because you just I, the way you're staring at me right now is creeping me out. I'm Something about to the you. way you look tonight. I'll, I'll I'll stop paying attention. <laughs> Real big fish. Our live album is better than your live album. Is one of my most underrated live albums. I think it is great. It has <laughs> all versions of suburban rhythm on it. Uh, the long form one where they go through all the different versions of it and the different genres. Um, and I have seen Real Big Fish live before, and I think that this is a pretty good and spot on album to capture how fun they are in person. Because I think this is one of those bands where you go and see them live and they ha- you kind of have to experience to understand what it's about. It's a lot of enjoyment a lot of fun a lot of banter to and from the crowd and i think that this album captures that pretty good it's also i mean it's just a really good record i think if you're talking to people who are like ska punk enthusiasts like they'll probably know that it's great but i think that even if you're really not into music like this you could probably enjoy this record because it's fun and it has a lot of great tracks on it my other underrated one was Nine Inch Nails and All That Could Have Been. That was so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, both, I should say, both of the albums that I picked, both the Real Big Fish and the Nine Inch Nails one, were released in double disc with a DVD. Um, the Nine Inch Nails one, I had this as, you know, when I was younger. This this is an album that I own, and I don't think I ever popped that DVD in. I just listened to the record. I have a bunch of DVDs from sets like this that I have yeah. also not watched. I, uh, I... Should go back and do that. Think, this is a... This is not a just a straight-through performance. This is a 
record that is actually compiled of a bunch of different performances throughout their 2000 tour, which I think is called the Fragility 2.0 tour. Oh, yeah. Am, am I correct? You are that? correct. I, I saw them during that tour. Did you? I did. It was spectacular. Awesome. Um, and it's it's good. I just think it's good. It's got all the like Nine Inch Nails songs that you would want to hear. It's got some of the deep cuts on it. It's a it it is a great and I've seen Nine Inch Nails live as well, and I think they do an excellent job live. I think it's a band that you listen to, and it's another example of not being sure whether or not that would translate mm-hmm. to a live. Like if you've never seen them live, but it does. It translates it, it, and then some, honestly. and then some. Yeah. yeah, it translates very well. This is I can honestly say that they are, and I've see, I saw them a lot later in their career. I saw them within the last few years um but i can honestly say one of the best live performances that i've had the pleasure of seeing definitely. over the years it's definitely like top 10 at least it comes through like they're yeah. the one of the one of the biggest rankings of when people because there are a lot of people that don't like live music and mm-hmm. live albums specifically because of the the lost in translation nature of like well it sounds like this on the record and that's what i like i want to hear it sound like that but a band like Nine Inch Nails will give you part of that, mm-hmm. where it does sound like it re- it recreates the experience that you have listening to like the Fragile in this case, yep. which I did a lot. It was my favorite Nine Inch Nails album. I listened to it constantly, and uh, and it'll it enhances it so much by putting so much more power behind some of that stuff when you see it live, yep. and it's it's overwhelming some of it, like with the visuals and you know with the the chugging of the drums going on constantly. Mm-hmm. Like it is it is quite a an event seeing nine inch nails and that that definitely comes through on this album yeah and that's the thing is they are this this album was released in 2002 it was recorded in 2000 obviously as i said but it was released in 2002 and like i said i've seen them live within the last uh five years or so i think i saw them well a few years i think i saw them live in 2014 i want to say it might have been 15 2015 or 14. I can't remember. And I don't feel like thinking We're about it. We're all old. It's okay. Yeah. Dates um, don't have to be important to us. Turns out it was 2003. And honestly, what? <laughs> was he was joking. Oh, yeah. no, it wasn't. And at this point, they have a arsenal of music to play. So when you're seeing a band that has this many, like, even if you're not, like, going out there and buying Nine Inch Nails albums... Mm-hmm. Like they have an arsenal of music. Like they could just play everything's a single, and they still have and enough still, for like yeah. a live. And set. it would be a great show. And it would be a great <laughs> yeah. show. And they didn't do that when I saw them. Like they played some stuff that was like a little bit lesser known. But I mean, this album right here, it, it's just great, and it translates really well. Everything's arranged slightly differently, but not so much that it's yeah. like, unrecognizable enough to keep you yeah enough to keep to, you abreast like a refreshed of it. In, like, yeah, I get but this. Also, I know this. yeah, but also to where you're paying attention to what is different what is you know what i mean like this Mm. is a weird new version of this and i just think this is a great album i listened to to it a shit ton when i was younger it was great it was it was one of those one of the first live albums that i owned on my own i went out purchased it owned it and loved it like as a teenager so it is a good time yeah that was my one and two real big fish which is I think just super fun to a little different end of the spectrum there. No, it is. It's good. It's you oh. want to try to accompany me. A lot of fun. <laughs> okay. Thank uh, you again. No, audience. The reason why Lacey, that's worthy of applause too, because real big fish is, is to me and to some people, 
as a like, well, they were just a gimmick band that came up for a couple years and were gone, but they were a really polished band. And I've seen them live a couple times, and they blew me away how well they sounded live. So it's yeah, just, they sound, they definitely sound great live. And I think this like for Real Big Fish, that album was probably one of the last albums that they released before they kind of started to tick a little bit more downward. Did I mention one more sentimental one real quick? Yeah, Not no, to no, elaborate too much. Peter Gabriel, 1984, Secret World Live. That was my growing up album. Yeah. Like, my dad played that in the car, I think, every time I got in the car. So, anyway, that's it. I just, no, I've never heard it. I totally forgot I like to write Peter it down. Gabriel. I love that album. I totally yeah. forgot to write it down, and I was like, oh, that's what it was. I was trying to think, because I went to Steely Dan as my default, because yeah. that's my dad band. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, it was Peter Gabriel. But anyways, I just it, I had the epiphany while we were talking. No, good ad. Um, but yeah, that album, look it up every time. It's great. It's fun. It's got like the best version of Digging the Dirt not, that's ever been recorded. It's oh, a great song. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so much yeah. better when it's like eight minutes. It's yeah. so great. And Paula Cole's just all over that album. Cause oh, she was, yeah. She was his backup yeah, singer then. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. She, and she gets like a couple solos that's at different points wow, too, if I'm be, not mistaken. I might have to try to find that myself. It, she might not be on the recording. She might have been on the, the live, the video. No, well, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. If I can't hear Paula Cole, why bother? <laughs> <laughs> Where have all the Kapalas gone? Oh, God, I know. That'll be that'll be for another day. Peter Gabriel was always weird live. He always hit, there's like there was one with him in like 2005 or something where he looked like the Colonel and he was riding a bike around stage. He still kind of does. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a look, man. Fucking strange. Anyway, sorry to. You're good. I didn't mean to like take anything hostage or anything. No, you're fine. We're we seem to be willing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger, man, did you want me to go or you got something you want to talk got, about? Yeah, I got a few. Um, it didn't occur to me till I was uh, till the list came up or the idea came up how much live bands are live. Albums are really dug. So isn't it crazy? Like Lacey brought the idea up. I'll just go ahead and give her the credit for it. Yeah. And I was, we were having the conversation after Nirvana about like live albums and what kind of what that encompasses. And when you start thinking about it, like yeah, you know, I, I default to regular recordings first because that's how I get introduced to bands typically. But no, live albums are actually like really kind of omnipresent in my listening history, and I think that's true for a lot of people. You just until you can see the band yourself, hearing it, you know. A version of that, you know, that you can that you have access to is like really informative and definitely sticks. It has a sticking power. And I also think not to delay you, Roger, because we'll hear you in a second. But something that Dave brought up, I always think about is there are songs that I don't even realize that I am more accustomed to hearing the live version. Oh, totally. Than I am the actual studio version. Um, What's one of them? Let me clear my throat. You know, oh, that, yeah. song, oh, like absolutely. that song does not perform as well. I don't even know if I've yeah, ever heard of an yeah, unlive un- un- version of that I'll song. Say I never heard that the song original. does not yeah. perform. I mean, I've looked it up before to play it, and I've accidentally stumbled upon the studio version. That's so weird. I couldn't even like, hear there's that. There's not even anybody going. Ah, yeah, there's no one. There's no call and re- response. Like, yeah, you need I that. mean, and and then um, another one. Uh, the music that we used as our intro is cheap. Tro- uh, cheap. Tro- yeah, oh yeah. I want you to want me. That's like the biggest example I can think of. Almost every damn cheap trick song i'm like that they actually cut yeah they albums. recorded like, albums like what are the definitive like live bands and For then sure. another one is uh i must have got lost by jay giles man i cannot listen to that song the studio version of it because it's so boring i need the 10 minute woo-woo, woo-woo, intro yeah. so you okay know. so i missed it because i was in the bathroom what, what was your yours i haven't said mine yet okay what's the she point was talking, of- she was talking about like ones that 
I just there's the live like, versions that sound better than the studio versions. Or the, 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 oh, the like ones tracks. you remember. Oh, like, like Kiss's entire discography. Yeah, like yeah, you, okay. when you think of something, you don't always think of it recorded. Like you, there are live versions of songs that that's the version you know. Like Kiss's entire discography. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I was going far as saying like their entire discography, but like definitely like no, but rock, I, uh, I want to rock and roll. Like what I will say, like honestly, called? when I hear Kiss songs in my head, they're all live, and that's really? the way I want to hear them. Because yeah. Kiss, Kiss on record kind of sucks. Kiss, <laughs> Kiss Live is awesome. And I can't say I've like listened to so much Kiss that I've been like, oh no, this, you know, I just never really got right. super into them, but I super love the and song Beth still. Oh, so. Beth's great song. What's nice about YouTube is it introduces other live sh- elements you didn't even think of before. Yeah, like, for example, like, uh, I love watching old episodes of Old Grey, old Grey Whistle. Nice. That, yeah. That <laughs> British show that was on from 73 to about 90. And you can find a lot of really good live versions. For example, uh, R.E.M.'s Pre-Persuasion. That version is much better than the album version. That album version sucks. I do the same thing with Later with Jules Holland. Yeah. I've watched, Later like, with Jules I've watched episodes from like the 80s, like yeah. the early 90s, just to see bands before they were like real. You know, yeah. like big popular things. But yeah. go ahead, man. Go yeah, ahead. It's um, Old Grey Whistle Test has, like, for example, the Madness is uh, uh, night, night Boat to Cairo. That version on that the other madness song, yeah, the like, other madness yeah. song that you forget about. That version's awesome too. It's a great song. And uh, the honorable mentions I have are, I have three solid honorable mentions, and a couple of them that a band that comes with a bad reputation being live, and it's kind of captured on this album in, in its true essence. Uh, the mats, the replacements, shit hits the fan. The fans nice. uh, from 1984 when they were playing in Oklahoma. And they did a good cover of uh, Radio Free Europe. And that's a band that you either, in, in, that, in this period of time, you either saw them when they were drunk and they were they played a song and then they jumped off the stage, or you, you saw the best 10 songs you ever heard. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's the only thing you hear about the replacements in this time. It's the greatest show you ever saw or the worst show you ever saw. And that was actually the case when they just reunited because I saw them in Toronto and yeah. they were fantastic. And then the Detroit show. Kind of sucks. I thought the Detroit show was okay. Yeah, I wasn't blown away, but I did enjoy it. Like yeah. I, I know that you're a harsher critic for them because I know they're like one of your favorite bands, and you had seen them play at Riot Fest or wherever, and they yeah. were like amazing. And that I'm sad I missed that, but the show I saw was all right. It yeah. wasn't the greatest thing ever, but I didn't hate it. I yeah. was glad I saw it. You know, got you know got to hear Left the Dial. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, and you knew that Westberg was Westenberg was not going to last that long, and no. sure shit, he's not going to play again. So. No, but hey, you saw it when you did. Yeah, so exactly. At least you got to see it. Um, and then uh, a mention too that's kind of weird. It's a it's actually Ben Folds Five live in New York DVD set. The live in New York DVD well, when they were doing like a TV show or something, but um, kind of fits in that category. But the the third one I think really was uh, Rock of Ages by the band. Nice, and that's one that you know everybody talks about the last waltz, which you know I'll get to, um, but. That one's actually Rock of Ages is pretty no, good. Rock of Ages is solid, and yeah. Rock of Ages is underrated. Like yeah. by comparison, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not trying to step on you, but you, you know I love the band. Like it's, yeah. it is one of my favorite bands, and you know I get real excited when someone mentions them because they never get talked about yeah. anymore. And that that album to me is a that's a true side of their showmanship as a musicians. And the last waltz is a lot of produced pieces, and everything, but I still love that album. But Rock of Ages is still underrated in my opinion. So uh, that being said, my two. Uh, and you know, it also kind of tied on. It's not making sense, but that's the talking. That's Dave Byrne, and to me, in my opinion, his and his most, his most my air, list too. Oh, the what? Stop it! It was on his list too. That exact oh, album. Man. Love that album. Yeah, yeah. it's oh, also it's that is yeah. a great album, but it's also Dave Byrne's most arrogant 
But that's just because it's just. I it was the time, I though. I also yeah. don't think it's particularly underrated. I don't either. I mean, if I'm being like, fair, if, if all yeah. of us said it was great, we're I mean, all like, oh, yeah. That's it's one of those albums, like, I remember my mom had that DVD, you know, yeah. back in the day. And I knew that album because she was constantly, well, I should say the VHS. Yeah. I just said DVD, <laughs> but I meant VHS, yeah, back when I was a kid. And I knew all those songs because, you know, my mom was a big Talking Heads fan. And she was constantly, you know, watching the tape and stuff, so. I mean, that's pretty well regarded as being, like, a great live album throughout time. And this yeah. should be... You're that, not wrong. No, yeah, no. you're not wrong. So, yeah, go ahead. Carry on. But the uh, two I have is the Kinks Live. Uh, the Kinks Live, this is when... This is, like, 76, 77, towards the beginning. This is, like, or maybe even 78, 78 or something like that. But right around the time that they were... Ray, Ray Davies, I think, was in the transitioning. They were becoming more of a... Popper band, more of that disco sound, Superman, all that stuff, and that live album is fantastic. Um, I don't think it's talked about enough, in my opinion, as a good or as a good live album because everybody talks about the Kinks. It just seems like there's this. You had the Kinks in the '60s, and then you got the Kinks in the '80s, and then the '70s is right. kind of forgotten it's about. Kind of glossed over. Yeah, glossed over. But that album, live album, in the middle of the '70s, when they're in that period of transition, is underrated to me at least, and I, I really like the album quite a bit. Um, and then the other one I think also that doesn't get talked enough about, I think is the West is one by Led Zeppelin. Um, kind of a bottom one, but I know a lot of people, I know like Led Zeppelin is one of those bands that you either like them or you hate them, but, uh, how the West is one, I think. Um, I love, I like that album a lot. I came out, that was a band I got into later in life that I was introduced to in my early, like late teens, early twenties. And that was my first live album I really got into. Yeah. The first one I really remember. Yeah, it's good. I I kind of came to Led Zeppelin earlier because my my mom was a fan. She had all their albums, so that yeah. was something I got to delve into. And by the time, by the time I got around to hearing how the West was one, because she didn't have that one. That's not one I had. I had all the recordings and uh, studio recordings. And I I appreciate what what it is, but it didn't it didn't ring the same for me. You know, like I thought it's good, but I I don't know Led Zeppelin. It feels like Led Zeppelin had to be the kind of band I needed to see to appreciate how it sounded live because it's right. like an element of it's missing to to me. This is all to me because I I don't know I've I've become much much less favorable in my opinion of that band as I got older. Yeah, me too. You know, but it's not it's nothing against them yeah. as performers because they were all great. I have know. to say the same about Led Zeppelin just in general is that like maybe if I was there at the time that they were like at the height of their stuff and mm. I could see them live that I might have appreciated it. But honestly, like I think. Like, I am not even, I don't even consider myself a fan of Led Zeppelin. Like, I could just do without them. I know a lot of people love them and appreciate them, and that is fine, but that's just one of those bands from back in the day that is super well-regarded that I just do not. It just doesn't stick. It just doesn't, yeah. it just doesn't do it for I me. can only listen to one of, disc one of Physical Graffiti. Physical Graffiti's great. And that's yeah. it. That's, yeah. Like, it ends there. Like, I just can't go I See, and that's the thing, like, that's the, like, you know the thing about Led Zeppelin that, cra- that kind of is interesting is the fact that everybody's come to the conclusion about them being, like, this band that's kind of viewed as, eh. But in reality, that's the way they kind of started in the 70s. Oh, Rolling for sure. Star, Rolling Stone panned them all the yeah. time. Everybody they were, hated they them. They were critically just bombed, like, right. constantly. People, they were the most, like, underwhelming band, critically. But Isn't that why their name was Led Zeppelin? Yeah. like they yeah, they would sink, go over, like, like a, Led a Led Zeppelin. Balloon. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, that's that proves nothing, though. Because they're here, they, we're still talking about them. We can yeah. still have an opinion about them because they're still relevant enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're, an, they're an all-time band. Like, there's no question whether or not any of us like them. They're indisputably one of the greatest bands and ever, just he, by the by the you know the bulk of their work. And John Bonham live here in drumming, seeing what John Paul Jones can do, 
Yeah, they're they're really good. That's yeah. funny. John Paul Jones will actually come up in a minute when I get to talking yeah. about this stuff. But yeah, he's they're they're definitely they're great. They're a great sound. Like, I, I can't take that away from them. It's ironic that I named the Kings and Led Zeppelin two of the biggest bands of the seventies in that regard. But those were the two albums I really got live into. Yeah, the Kinks. Um, I got into. Um, it was I was looking for a version of Lola, and it was uh, I, I remember seeing it in high school and hearing that version of Lola just. And you really got me. That really, the really got me version is one of my yeah. favorite live songs of all time. Woo! And like he just, yeah, he really gets into He's it. He's in it, yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know, it just captures the band in a period of time where they're trying to transition their sound, and I don't know, captures it live. But uh, again, just, just those are two albums I think that are kind of underrated. No, those are solid. Those are definitely solid. Um, we'll transition out of John Paul Jones uh, right into my honorable mention, which is uh, Heart: The Road Home, no released kidding. released in 1995. Um, it is an unplugged set in Seattle in a very small club. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there, so I can't tell you that it was that small. But it is produced by John Paul Jones, and he plays really? some bass during the show. Wow! Yeah, so he's he's there helping out, you know, being Segway. being a legend. Yeah, this is actually kind of fun. I have segues for nearly every one of these, which is interesting. Um, so yeah, it's it's there's not much to say apart from the fact that uh, Heart is a kind of band that is. I would say largely forgotten in like the annals of like a seventies rock kind of history. Um, but they were great. Like categorically Heart is a great band. Uh I'm not just saying that to be like some kind of feminist about it, but like Heart's got some jams. We, we all know Barracuda, you know what I mean? We all know Crazy on You. These are all great songs. But what this set did, being an unplugged set, they kind of stripped some of that down. And like even the super overproduced eighties like What About Love songs and These Dreams, like they they wrap them all the way down into like the purest form of just a song and nancy wilson sounds incredible like she's you know we can we can get into the image thing with heart if we wanted to but that's not what the show is about but from a pure performance perspective nancy wilson is one of the greatest like rock voices like ever i'm putting her on a list way way high it's a personal preference but i love heart and i think this album is very representative of what that band as a band performed it's all very stripped down it's all about performance. Ann Wilson's doing a lot of stuff solo at a piano. Like, it's just beautiful. It's a very, very great album. It is on Spotify. I would urge everybody to listen to it if you've ever liked Heart ever. This is a very interesting and stripped down take on you know what they are as a band because they're kind of bombastic, and this is the total opposite of that. Um, that's my honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, to touch on a point that Lacey brought up earlier about live hearing live songs and not knowing like or being familiar with the studio recordings as much uh must have got lost by the jay giles band was recorded for blow your face out the 1975 live album that they released which is my number two underrated live album it's so good it is the greatest and that version of must have got lost is the only version i'm as far as i'm concerned yeah. there are no recorded versions apart from that one i can do oh, i, I, I can do the, the i know the entire two minute yeah. intro and i know how long it is i know it back to front i could do it from memory because i've heard it so many times my dad is a huge jay giles band so fan huge fan and he had everything they ever did and i listened to all of it uh I bring it up on my list because Full House is kind of the one that's regarded as like their big... It was their first live album. It was recorded at the Cinderella Ballroom in Detroit. And uh, it's the one that kind of gets the, the the critical adoration as well as like a, as like a commercial success. Because it was. It charted pretty high. I think it was like 23 or something and on a Billboard chart. And it's great, but it's really short. It's like seven, eight tracks. So it's very tight. It all sounds very contained. Blow Your Face Out is recorded at two different places it's recorded in boston 
and then it's recorded uh on okay, i'm only bringing this date up because it's kind of funny it's recorded on november 19th in detroit 1975 okay remember that so that show is amazing like the detroit parts and the boston parts everything compiled makes for a blistering listen because jay giles man as anybody that would like the jay giles man would know is all about live like that is that is their thing they are a live band um i regrettably have never seen them which i've probably missed that window now and that's fine but once every other year it seems like it but i think they're done now like again i think peter wolf has said because he he actually was just coming here he's touring solo and uh they're um they're known that's like their bread and butter they're the greatest live show you'll ever see blah 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 my dad has seen them so many times it's not even funny he's talked about it countless times about how great they were and this and that and the one time i saw them they played this i'm like yeah i know like <laughs> congratulations you're old i'm sorry i couldn't go <laughs> but he left me at, at least with the the appreciation for this band that i that definitely comes through in listening to stuff like this it's it's such a good set like it's as does their want they do a lot of covers and that is something that they are they excel at like they're one of the best bands that can do covers and make them their songs like a lot of songs by them you might not know where covers are all covers but i'll give a little bit of love to the originals that are on here that i like a lot uh south side shuffle opens the whole album it's fantastic um uh give it to me close to the album one of my favorite jake isle songs also fantastic the live version of that's the best they do an excellent cover of where did our love go because they're in detroit and it's it's cool it's got you know magic dick blowing on that harmonica sounds real real good and uh yeah i can't say enough good things about this album i think it's incredible and if you want to enjoy yourself and just listen to some fucking bluesy rock and roll not care about shit put on blow your face out and just enjoy your shit because it is good stuff all right i mentioned the date november 19 1975 because the next night in in the actual of our life like of the world on november 20th 1975 the recordings were set for bob dylan's 1975 rolling thunder review so these both of my albums happen within a day of each other which i thought was really cool i didn't know that when i looked but since they're like my two favorite live albums ever it was kind of a neat symmetry that both of them happened to happen a day a day apart so uh, my number one favorite, most underrated live album is the Bootleg Series Volume 5, 1975 Rolling Thunder Review by the incomparable Bob Dylan. Uh, <laughs> I could spend my own set of podcasts talking about this album, so I'll just narrow it down. I'll try to give you the uh, abridged version. Um, it has... <sighs> I'm you guys want to go get dinner or something? Yeah, while I'm sorry. Talking? I'm getting real worked up. Okay. You got to calm myself down. You're talking about Bob Dylan with your friends. They've all heard you before. Okay. I actually am going to hit the bathroom. Okay. okay. That's fair. I mean, I'm a little insulted, but... I love you. That's okay. But we can talk about this later <laughs> if you want. Just so you can... But you're not even going to get to tell... I mean, you're not going to hear my argument, though, for why I'll it's, it's it. vital that all of you should listen you to this. I'll talk extra loud. Okay. All right. We could just narrate you going to the bathroom. What do you guys think she's going to do in there? <laughs> While you're doing that... Okay. Do you well, want to wait for her for real? Because no, I, 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 I have another one. I mean, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, because I'm going to talk about this. For I kind of figured, minutes. yeah, the John Mayer trio. Try it was a one-off album. You should have Lazy back in here for that. Lazy fucking loves John Mayer, apparently. Oh yeah, I hate him otherwise, <laughs> but that album was dope as fuck. Yeah, it's a one-off with uh oh god, I cannot remember their names. Paulo something, uh, is the the drummer. It, it's like two incredibly famous jazz musicians that he got together. He was like, let's do a live set. And then they c- 
called themselves the John Mayer Trio and then never recorded together again. Yeah. Probably because John Mayer is a giant cock. Yeah, or just because they had a night to do that and then that was good. Yeah, and it's it perfect. It's like six songs and it's perfect. Anyways, I just did that to stall so maybe she could hear something. That's okay. Your... I don't need her here. I can talk t- I could talk into the microphone with no one ever listening to this about mm-hmm. how much I love Bob Dylan. So I'll take a couple of minutes. In case you are just joining us, Bob Dylan is my favorite musician ever. And I want to talk to you <laughs> We're about... We're really getting ready for I this. I want to talk to you about the 1975 Rolling Thunder review. We're okay. gussing this the fuck up. No, I'll just get right to it. So, if you don't know your Bob Dylan history, which I'm sure most of you don't, uh, the 70s caught Dylan at a really weird time. He had gotten out of the 60s and stopped being the voice of a generation and released like weird folk albums and really introspective... like self-reflective i'm a dad now albums and this is all fine like the 70s start with him being very inconspicuous he's not at woodstock which you would have expected him to be so bob dylan's just been kind of out of the public eye like realistically for about five years and he comes back with desire in 1974 which is a huge album hurricane is on it that's the song you're all gonna know it's a big deal it's about something topical and the whole album the whole album nearly to the song is represented in this live set like almost every song from that album shows up it's a double double disc set recorded in uh, montreal and in boston and there's there's not a lot more to say apart from that bob dylan was back and he was back with a fucking vengeance like the dude had taken time off he was refreshed he cranked out an album and then he was ready to tour the shit out of it they did three legs of this tour like kind of in quick succession but this is the best part of it. It is the best Dylan has ever sounded. Like I will, there are a lot of people that are huge Dylan fans. I don't know them, but I know they exist. And uh, I will fight you, and I will argue you to death that Bob Dylan has never sounded better than he did in 1975. He is, he's in control of everything. His stage presence is out of control. His his vocals are clear. His hit is powerful. He is destroying. It's scorched earth. Every album, every song on this album is just beyond immeasurably good like different he's rearranged every song even like the slow like moving ballads like you know uh lonesome death of hattie carroll and you know songs like a hard rain's gonna fall like he cranks those things up to rock like you don't think that a hard rain's gonna fall can be a rocking song until bob dylan rocks the shit out of it like his band is firing on every cylinder like it's i can't i'm having trouble even finding words to talk about (laughs) it's it's difficult because again i love bob dylan and i revere bob dylan on a level that i can't really explain in words and every single album in some small part is something that i love but this hones down a career's worth of performances like the dude was spectacular heading into the 70s and then was gone and then came back like he had never left and he was super famous again these shows sold out everywhere and it wasn't just like i'm gonna play my new stuff like no this was also a greatest hits tour bob dylan is kind of like the first person to actually do this like no i you can make a fucking face jason but i'm not kidding this the feel-good revival i'm playing on my greatest hit circuit thing starts with this tour like it's the thing that starts this now every other band can do that now but because all the bands that do that now weren't yet bands bob dylan's the first fucking guy to do this and he you know he's playing all along the watchtower at these shows he's playing knocking on heaven's door he's playing all these songs that everybody loves their beloved classics and he's doing them in arrangements that sound incredible tangled up in blue it's the best version i've heard of that uh, uh tonight you'll be uh tonight i'll be staying here with you a song that is a like a troubadour like country ballad and he just destroys that song blows the doors out of the building like rocking the shit out of stuff every single version of this 
every single version of every song on this album is the best version i have heard of that song on that album like there are no better versions they, these are the best it is my favorite practically my favorite album <laughs> like apart from just being a live album uh i yeah i don't know just stop me because I'm, I'm just gonna keep talking about it if, if you just leave me to my own devices i will talk about this album forever so i'll stop myself and uh i will just put it in one sentence Bob Dylan's Bootleg Series Volume 5 Live 1975 Rolling Thunder Review, the greatest underrated live album of all time, in my estimation, obviously, that's my opinion. And, uh, yeah, you guys, you guys all right? Yeah. No one said anything. I'm actually, you <laughs> sold the shit out of this album. I want to go outside and listen to it right it now. It is amazing. Doesn't matter. Like, the Tangle of Blue, that is one of my Tangle of Blue yeah. is great. Roger, yeah. you, we talked about this yeah. before off air. You wanted to talk about this album. Like, you yes. said, you mentioned it. Like, oh, it's really good. And I'm like, nah, dog, I love you, but I'm going to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that Tangle of Blue, that live version is one of my top five favorite songs I've ever heard in my own. Like, that, because I heard Tangle of Blue and then I heard that version. I'm like, it's like monstrously better than the other one. So. I, I, you know look, what? I, I can't go that far, but that's I'm you. cool that I'm cool with you for saying it. I will tell you, I listened to a little bit of Bob Dylan before this, like leading up to this show, considering, and then I was, I just stopped myself. I was like, you know, I'm more of a casual Bob fan. You know, I'm I'm kind of on the outside. I know I know some of his stuff. I listen to it. I enjoy it. But I'm just gonna leave this one to Dave. I'm just I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go go back to the real big fish. It's important to note though that like a lot of this gets lost prior to this being released. It's part of the bootleg series, which is a release like a Columbia releases. Now they're like specific shows. What year was this released? This was released in 2005, yeah, that's 2004, right. I, I, 2005. I didn't think it was like, it's not a live album that's been like no, hanging around. No, that's the thing, because you know? before this was released, there have been bootlegs of this that mm-hmm. existed, which is why it's part of the bootleg series. Right. Um, bootlegs that existed for years, but the only hard produced live Rolling Thunder experience was Hard Rain, which is not good. Like the... it's. Uh, it has a couple of decent versions of songs on there. Idiot Wind particularly is a good version of that song live. But this was during the second leg of the tour where they had kind of burnt out like themselves playing at this level for like a year. Like is it, this yeah. lasted a long time. Like he had been gone for a while and then just didn't leave for a while. And you know, before he embarked on into the eighties doing his whole never ending tour spiel, like he didn't tour, so he cranked out a jillion shows all over the world in like two years. So this was on the later half of that. So it, it comes through. They sound tired. It's not as in, it's not as inspired. But this capturing this on this night during the first leg of this mm-hmm. tour, it's it's pure Where fire. Was it, recorded? <laughs> it was recorded three nights, like five different shows in Cambridge, Boston, and Montreal. Nice. So it's like a three night stint. Again, recorded right at the same time that that Jake Isles album was, which again I thought was kind of a neat thing. That is but cool. and I'm just it's the cool uneducated, uncultured fool. No, it has nothing to do with that. Like, no, I, I'm. That's not. I, I didn't. Say I don't want to make it sound like I'm like talking down anybody. Like, no, I just not, really love Bob I, Dylan. I, <laughs> I, I know. You I'm know. saying like uncultured. Like, I, you know, I tried. I just it doesn't at all resonate. I would like, tell you, and honestly, I mean this. I, all right. You so, gave me four albums. I listened to all of them twice. Yeah, and those were all, but those were all studio things. I was trying to get you like kind of in. Give this a chance, and if you hate this, then I'm sorry. That sucks. But this is actually a pretty good introduction to like a Bob Dylan that people probably don't hear because it doesn't sound like Bob Dylan. He's really in it. Like he's like screaming a little, and he's kind of like he's he jokes in between songs, and he's like playing shit people want to hear. Someone calls out a request for a song, and he plays it. Like it's. This is not a Bob Dylan that people know. You know, even if you knew who Bob Dylan was, he's just some nasally singer. Bob Dylan is like 
singing he's performing it's less a, it's less a song and it's more a performance he's putting everything into these songs and it shows like beyond the pale he's incredible it's the best he will ever sound and this is again coming from someone that like loves he, he could shit and record it and i would probably still love that too so this is the <laughs> you best would, you would best. say he invented shitting on, on i could i mean if you want if you want to break it down all the way to <laughs> oh my god <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, that's right. probably again. Yeah. You should probably stop me. Take it easy. But yeah. no, I just um, meant that like I gravitate towards bad stuff. No, <laughs> that was a self shot. All right, I well, will. I will cut myself off. You know what? There, that's that's. I think that is a pretty good mix. Oh um, no, for sure. Of, we covered a lot of bases. We covered a lot of bases here. I think we talked about a lot of different genres. You know what? I would personally like to see. I want to see some more like hip hop live performances. Like hip hop is hard. It's hard, but like I know we talked about like "Let Me Clear My Throat" as being like that mm. live version as a staple. Like I think some of that has the potential. When you see it with a band, like I've seen the Roots more yeah. than once, they're incredible, and that's you know a band yeah. thing. That LL Cool J unplugged performance we talked about on Nirvana, that's yeah. amazing. Like you put a band behind that sound, and mm-hmm. it sounds a lot better when it's. When I've it's seen just shows. Like a I've seen Bone Thugs. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just a bunch of dudes standing around on stage. I so gotcha. it, I, I there has to be like a live element more, of that performance. I would like to see some more of that, and I think I'm going to do a little bit more to like seek that For out sure. and see what's out there. There's, but I think we covered a lot of good ground. Yeah, and so. there's never a wrong time to find more shit. Yeah. Agreed. Speaking yeah. of finding more shit, not to cut you off. But we we are we are gonna wrap this up. We are. Speaking of finding more shit, you can check us out on uh, the SRD network of podcasts with sportsradiodetroit.com and uh, at SRD ET on Twitter. At Sports Radio D E T. Whatever. That works too. Go ahead, give it to him again. At Sports Radio D E T and SportsRadioDetroit.com. That's for that's for uh, SRD and then us individually at Over Under Fair on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook and email us at overunderfairpod at gmail.com. Uh, let us let us know how we're doing. Give us some feedback and suggestions. We're enjoying this. We hope you're enjoying this. And uh, yeah, subscribe on Podbean, iTunes, and just just let us know. Let us know how it goes, man. We want to hear. So yeah, we are over under there. Thank you and good night. <laughs>